Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Millennial Learn. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you are new here, welcome to the podcast. We do an episode every Monday and Thursday. I have been a little bit <laughs> splotchy with you know my episodes recently, so apologies. But in theory, every Thursday we go over the history and all the fun facts and geography and all of that. Really, fully learn about a state. We're going in the order that the states joined the union. So we are on episode, you know, episode 27 of the state series, which means we are going over Florida. So um, I have only been to Florida a handful of times. We used to go for my Palms Nationals every year. So I was actually only on the team for two years. So, but we, we stayed in Disney World for the whole trip. Like we just landed, went to Disney World, did the Palms trip in Disney and then got right back on the plane. So I didn't see a lot of Florida during that time. The, I think the only other time I've been to Florida is on a work trip. And I went and was down at the Kennedy Space Center for a little while, you know, doing some work stuff, shadowing someone on a console. So that was really fun, but I didn't get to see, well, I got to see a decent amount. I went to the beach. I was around Cocoa Beach. Um, if, if you're familiar with the area, then we went to some cool like seaside restaurants and things like that. So it was pretty fun. And I also went surfing there on Cocoa Beach, but um, it was it was really fun. So that is all for this intro. Let's get into the episode and learn about the history of Florida. Okay, so before the very intimidating historical timeline, let's get into just some basic facts so we all just have an understanding of where Florida is, what it's like today, and just go over all of that kind of thing. So the capital of Florida is Tallahassee. It became a state on March 3rd, 1845, and it is named Florida because a Spanish explorer, Juan Ponce de Leon, who was the first European, exp well, he led the first European expedition in Florida. That was in 1513. He named the state, they think, in tribute to his country, Spain, and their Easter, which is a celebration known as Pascua Florida, which means Feast of Flowers. So as this tribute to Spain, that is why he named this piece of land Florida. We'll get more into that in the timeline for sure, but their state motto is In God We Trust. The state nickname is the Sunshine State. Now, the population is an interesting one because it says, I saw a number that said, you know, in 2020, there was about 2 million, uh, or sorry, 20 million people living in Florida. However, I saw another number that says 21.2 million, and then I looked at 2022 numbers and it says 22 million. So I knew that a lot of people had gone there in the midst of COVID because they had way less intense restrictions on things. And a lot of people were tired of their home states, like locking them down. So I looked up the growth of Florida and it has actually, it has grown a lot. So it has a 1.6 growth rate. I think that was the highest it got. 
but it was steadily growing there for a while all through COVID. Um, as of 2020, when it was still, you know, not as populated as today, the population density, um, well, it was the eighth highest population density in the U.S. So there are some extremely heavily populated cities like Miami. Okay, so the geography, Florida is on the southeastern edge of the U.S. It is a peninsula, which means it's almost completely surrounded by water. The northernmost edge is connected to Alabama in the northwest and Georgia in the northeast. It says, take a swim off of Florida's west coast and you are in the Gulf of Mexico. If you are, uh, if you go on the, off the east coast, you're in the Atlantic Ocean. The south coast, you'll be swimming in the Straits of Florida. So it says the northern upland part of the state is hilly, but you'll find caves and sinkholes in the northern Mariana lowlands. The coastal plains contain sandy beaches, islands, and coral reefs. In the south, you can canoe through the famous Everglades National Park. So it's very swampy. It's filled with wildlife. And that national park actually covers 1.5 million acres, which I did not realize that that was so huge. I don't think my mind can really conceptualize how much land that actually is. Because, you know, when like a wildfire comes by and they're like, oh, you know, 40,000 acres are burning or something. My mind cannot think in acres unless it's like five acres. And I know that that's, you know, I can visualize like, oh, that's the size of this piece of land or something. But when you're talking 1.5 million acres, my mind can just not think about how much that is. So anyway, off the southernmost tip of the state are the Florida Keys, which is a group about of about 1,700 tiny islands called an archipelago. Now, I thought that the Florida Keys were like five islands, not 1,700. Now, for the most part, like you can't get to all these islands with that um, the bridge that they built. So most of them are not very accessible, at least by car. So, but it says one to island hop, no problem. A causeway and 42 bridges connect the various keys. So just way more islands than I was even ever aware of. Um, okay, so let's talk about the climate a little bit. Very interesting because you would think of Florida as extremely comfortable and if you're new to the podcast, I do this, I go to this website called bestplaces.net and it boils down all these metrics to a comfort index. And it's interesting to see which states are kind of a surprise to me because I would think that Florida would rate pretty high on the comfort index. Yes, probably the summers are excruciatingly hot, but I thought the rest of the year was pretty amazing, but it got a lower than average comfort index. So let's like, let's break it all down. So Florida gets 55 inches of rain on average per year, the US average is 38 inches. They average zero inches of snow. So if you're a winter person, you know, this is why everyone, like all the older people kind of hop to Florida for the winter. Uh, there's 237 sunny days per year in Florida. The national average is 205. So definitely lots of sun. The summer high is 91 degrees. The winter low is 47 degrees. But then the comfort index is only 
And this is interesting because it does like a summer winter comfort index. And I've never seen one as low as the Florida summer. The comfort index, remember the average is like seven, you know, year round. 2.8 is the summer comfort index. That is so low, it is insane. So from like February, March, April, and then again, like November, December, the comfort index is like averages an 8.8. It is just so comfortable and amazing. Like April is a 9.3, but then you get into August and it's like the lowest I've ever seen. It's crazy. So it is extremely, extremely hot in Florida in the summer. And so that's why a lot of people I think leave for the summer. The humidity also gets up to about 75, it looks like in the summer. So it's just really hot, extremely humid. And overall, the comfort index really suffers for it at 6.8. But if you go there in the winter, that seems like it's highly recommended and you'll have amazing weather. So that is the climate. Those are the fun facts. Now let's get into the overall state history and historical timeline. Okay, it is now time for the historical timeline. So I got this from the a website called floridamemory.com. Again, I'm gonna link all these below because some of these that I am referencing, I don't have the time to get into like every single detail of the interesting things that they have on their sites. So if you want to learn more and want to explore for yourself the history of Florida, um, I will link all these in the description. So this timeline starts in 5000 BC where they say the Paleo-Indian culture evolved into the archaic culture. Oh, sorry, I missed <laughs> I missed one. It actually starts in 12,000 BC when they believe the first people moved into Florida. Those were called the Paleo-Indians and they moved into the peninsula in search of new food sources. By 5,000 uh, BC, that culture had evolved into what they called the archaic culture, which is where they believe that they um, first established permanent settlements. They were kind of gatherers mostly and depended on shellfish and plant gathering. And then from there, in 5000 AD, the woodland culture emerged, which included year-round settlements, and then they started relying on hunting deer and birds, and then they also started farming, it is believed. So by 1200, it says that there was an emergence of the powerful Mississippian culture, which was ruled by religious political leaders. Those were called chiefdoms. And then it says involved this time period involved intensive agriculture, especially with corn was like their main crop. They made large earthen mounds and there were continent wide trade connections. So things are definitely starting to develop. Now, 1492 is when Christopher Columbus sailed uh, from Spain or sailing in the employ of Spain en route to India accidentally lands in North America. This results in widespread European exploration and colonization of the New World. It's interesting. I feel like for a lot of these um, states, because I usually get them from this other website, the timelines, it never actually does these big events like, hey, Christopher Columbus found North America. Uh, North America. They kind of leave that part out and they, they talk about the first you know, exploration that um, affected their state. But it is good to put it in perspective of like, yep, 1492 is when Columbus actually found North America. 
Okay, there were three large Native American cultures in Florida by 1500. I'm probably going to pronounce these wrong, but it was the Timucua in the northeast and central Florida, the Appalachie in the Big Bend area, and the Calusa in south Florida. So those were the three groups kind of at play. Okay, 1513, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon and his expedition were the first documented Europeans to land on the Florida Peninsula. He landed on the east coast near present-day St. Augustine. And then as we went over, he named it Florida in kind of a tribute to Spain and their Easter. He then sailed to South Florida where he was wounded in a fight with members of the Calusa um, people. In 1521, after serving time as governor of Puerto Rico, Ponce de Leon returns to Florida in search of gold. He it says contracted by the oh contracted by the Spanish crown to colonize and Christianize the native peoples. Ponce de Leon was killed in South Florida. So yeah, he tried to convert them, and they killed him. So uh, in 1526, a man named Lucas Vasquez de Aleon or Aleon founded the ill-fated colony of San Miguel Guadalupe. Oh, I am saying all of these wrong. The Spanish ones are tough. I took French in high school, so let me try this again. Lucas Vasquez de Ayon founded the ill-fated colony of San Miguel Guadalupe, Guadalupe I think, <laughs> um, on present-day Georgia's east coast. Okay, so we got more exploration coming in. From 1527 to 1536, a Spanish explorer named Panfio de Narvaez led a second expedition into Florida. This expedition, he had over 600 people, so it was like a really big one, but it was a notorious failure. It says, it says alienating Florida's native cultures, the expedition was repeatedly attacked. By 1528, which is only a year after he landed or he started, I think, the expedition, uh, the expedition. He had died. The expedition was grounded due to hurricanes. There were four survivors that eventually walked to Mexico City and arrived in 1536. It says, despite the failure, their fantastical tales of mythical cities of gold inspired future expeditions to North America. So the whole um, myths of like, yes, these big gold cities, these amazing places there were like four people that actually found that out of a 600 person expedition so almost everyone died but people still wanted to come because of that so okay 1539 to 1542 hernando de soto having gained experience invading the incas in peru landed in florida with an 800 man expedition they wintered it's called so they basically like stayed put for the winter in tallahassee or what is present-day Tallahassee, and then traveled throughout the Southeast, covering 11 present-day states, and they, you know, his expedition crossed the Mississippi River twice. He was then killed in 1542, and at that point, the expedition only had 300 people, which is actually kind of impressive, you know, three years later, after that other expedition where they all got killed pretty quickly. So the remaining 300 left for Cuba in 1542. Um, throughout the 1540s, the diseases that the Europeans brought with them started decimating the native people of Florida because, you know, like their immune systems were not 
used to handling the same diseases and things. So within the century, 90% of the native peoples had died from European diseases. Okay, 1559. There were 1,500 participants that attempted Florida's first settlement in Puerto de Santa Maria, which is today's Pensacola Naval Air Station. So if you know where that is present day, that is where the first settlement was attempted with 1,500 participants. Within a year, the remaining colonists left to return to Cuba. So we're not having a lot of success with Florida. Okay, the French become a player in 1562, a man named Jean Ribault. That is definitely not how you pronounce it because usually those last few letters are silent in French. But he was the first to explore Florida in uh, 1562 for the French. And then the settlers established Fort Caroline in 1564. Okay, then 1565, Spain established St. Augustine, which was the first permanent European settlement in North America. Um, In that process, the Spanish kicked out the French, who had just basically started establishing, uh, well, they established that fort and they had just started exploring. And then with the formation of St. Augustine, the French are now kicked out. Throughout the 1560, or yeah, 1560s, the Jesuits established Spanish missions in the Southeast. And then the first African slaves were brought to St. Augustine in 1581. Okay. Now, 1586, Sir Francis Drake, who was a British seafarer, it says that he sacked and burned St. Augustine. Now, it doesn't say a motive in this timeline. I'm sure we'll learn more about Sir Francis Drake after in a little bit. But, I mean, the assumption is, like, the Spanish had it, the British wanted it, and so Drake decided to just burn it down. Okay, 1596, the Franciscans take over the Spanish missions, eventually establishing over 100 missions in Florida and Georgia. 1633, there were missions that were now established in the Appalachian Territory. And then 1656, the Timucua peoples rebel against Spanish authority. And then the mission, uh, it's called Mission San Luis, established in what is now Tallahassee. So that's just like a specific mission that they call out, but the native peoples are starting to rebel against Spanish authority. Okay, 1672 to 1695, Castillo de San Marcos uh, was built by the Spanish in St. Augustine, and that was using native labor and slave labor that they had imported. Pensacola was established in 1698, and then the English come in and destroy the Spanish missions from 1702 to 1704. So it's, as you can see, it's like a constant battle between, well, first of all, the Spanish um, people were terrible, it seems, at like trying to get along with the natives that were already in the land. Like you see with some colonies, I mean, not all of them, but some, when the British came in, and saw that there were native people there, at least for a brief moment, they tried to like work with them for some colonies, definitely not all. But for Florida in particular, it seems like it was not handled 
well at any point in the timeline. So, um, okay, there was in 1738 a free black settlement established. It was called Fort Mose. And then the English general James Oglethorpe invades St. Augustine in 1740. So that leads us into what's known as the British period, which was from 1763 to 1783. So as you can tell, that coincides with a lot of the Revolutionary War tensions and during the war. So the end of the French and Indian War results in the transfer of Florida from Spain to England. That's in 1763. The colony was divided into East and West Florida. British colonists expand Florida agriculture, especially cotton, rice, and indigo. St. Augustine remained the capital of East Florida, and Pensacola is the capital of West Florida. James Grant was appointed the governor of British Florida. Okay. Uh, 1760s, so it says, by, by the 1760s, Native peoples from Georgia and Alabama, most members of the Creek peoples, were moving into Florida. They were eventually called the Seminoles, Wait, it says, eventually called the Seminoles from the Spanish word Cimarron, meaning outsiders or runaways. So, yes, the native peoples from the surrounding states were essentially running away and trying to have refuge in Florida. And that's how the whole term Seminoles, that's where it comes from. Which is kind of interesting. I never knew what the origin of that was. Okay, 1776, obviously the American Revolution begins. Florida did not join its fellow 13 English colonies in the revolution. It remained loyal to England, which I had no idea. I knew there were 13 colonies that were, you know, fighting the crown, but I didn't ever realize that Florida, like, was basically established as a British colony and did not join and stayed loyal. Its previously sparse population swelled overnight as Tories escaped into Loyalist Florida. That is so interesting. Okay, so they, most of those Loyalists settled in St. Augustine. All right, 1783, Florida's first newspaper, the Tory Run, which so it's like the Loyalist Run, East Florida Gazette started publishing. Also in that year, the Treaty of Paris ended the American Revolution. It says, in return for its assistance to the colonies, the treaty allowed Spain to reoccupy Florida. Most of the English settlers in Florida left for England and the Bahamas. Okay, even more interesting. When they won, like when the U.S. was formed and the colonies won, it wasn't part of the U.S. It wasn't like treated as a U.S. colony now. It was, it now entered us into the second Spanish period. So that was from 1783 to 1821. The first time I read through this, I was like, okay, yeah, the British period, that makes sense. It'll go from, you know, the, the first year that, you know, that Britain takes over to the end of the war when it'll go to America. No, it goes to the Spanish. Okay, 1814, there was something called the Patriots War. So several Americans attempted to conquer Florida in 1814. It did not work. In 1816, Andrew Jackson invaded Florida in pursuit of Seminole Indians. This is the start of the first Seminole War. Now, the more I read about these um, state histories, the more I realize how many little wars there were that I literally know nothing about. So I'm making a running list of things I need to revisit. 
because like I didn't, you know, this is the first Seminole War. I didn't even know there was one or that there were multiple. So I have still so much to learn. It is clear. Um, okay. From 1817 to 1818, U.S. settlers, Spanish citizens, British agents, and Creek natives clashed in West Florida. Andrew Jackson, regardless of the international border, burned native villages, hanged two British subjects, and captured St. Mark's and Pensacola. Okay, so there is just a large history and large background of a lot of fighting in Florida. Transfer of Florida from Spain to the U.S. was finalized by something called the Adams-Onus Treaty. That was, like, that whole process was taking place from 1819 to 1821. Okay, now we are into when Florida was a U.S. territory. This time period is from 1821 to 1845. Uh, Florida's first American newspapers begin. Those were called the Florida Gazette in St. Augustine and the Floridian in Pensacola. Now, in 1822, the Florida government was established on March 20th by a congressional act. Um, William Duval was elected Florida's first non-military governor, and he served until 1834. Uh, 1824 is when Tallahassee was established as the capital, and the state legislature meets for the first time. The Second Seminole War... Again, didn't know there was a first one, but the second one began, or began in 1835. Uh, okay, 1838. 56 commissioners elected from Florida's 20 counties gather in St. Joseph to draft a constitution in anticipation of statehood. The Second Seminole War then ended in 1842 uh, by U.S. government decision without treaty or capitulation. It just... The U.S. government said, hey, like, we're done. Like, we're just done with this war. And it wasn't really we at that point because Florida wasn't part of the Union, but it was a territory, so that's how they had the power to do that. Okay, 1845, uh, Florida becomes a state. It says the act establishing statehood for Iowa and Florida was approved March 3rd, 1845 by the second session of the 28th Congress continued expansion of the plantation system with its heavy dependence upon enslaved African-Americans. Okay, so what I'm assuming, because we saw this in um, another, what am I trying to say? We saw this in another set of states where this is all leading up to the Civil War and they want, they didn't want an imbalance of power between slave states and free states. And so they would basically admit two at a time. One was free, one was a slave state, so that the balance in Congress would be equal. So that's why Iowa and Florida um, were admitted basically at the same time or with the same act of Congress. But let me just look really quick. Um, when did Iowa become... A state. Okay, December 28th, 1846. So 
yeah, it was pretty close together. Although not as close as I thought, actually, but like a year and a half after. So I don't know, maybe when we learn about Iowa, we'll realize why there was kind of that delay. But at least for Florida, it happened on March 3rd, 1845. Okay. Uh, the state seal was adopted in 1847, and then the first two colleges were founded, or the legislature passes a bill to create them in 1851. One was the West Florida Seminary, which later became Florida State University, and then the other one was the East Florida Seminary, which later becomes the University of Florida. Okay, we are getting into... It just says rising tensions with the national slavery debate. There was a third Seminole War from 1855 to 1858. So again, lots of fighting within Florida, but then now the tensions of the entire country are really increasing, so not so good. Okay, in 1861, on January 10th, the Secession Convention voted 62 to 7 to adopt the Ordinance of Secession and withdraw Florida from the U.S., Civil War began on April 12th, and then in October, Confederate forces attack Fort Pinkins, or Pickens on Santa Rosa Island in Pensacola. So we are in the throes of the Civil War. I am so glad I live now and not during a Civil War. That sounds like the worst time, honestly. I mean, and World War II and World War I. There's just like a time period where if you were alive for a certain amount of time, you saw so much. Like, you don't want to really live live till 100 and have it be from like 1850 to 1950 like you have seen way too much in my opinion like you've seen so many of the wars like I really have you know my generation hasn't really been involved in the major conflict that we're directly related to or directly affected by like we don't have a draft or anything this time would would be not great to live in, in my opinion. Um, okay, Union forces occupy Fernandina, Jacksonville, and St. Augustine. The Union then deploys units of black troops for the first time during operations along the Georgia-Florida coast. That was from 1862 to 1863. Confederates defeat Union forces at Olus Olusti, and then there's a new... Uh, publication called the Florida Times Union, which began publishing in Jacksonville like towards the end of the war in 1864. Okay, 1865. Home guards and cadets from West Florida Seminary saved Tallahassee from capture at the Battle of Natural Bridge. The Civil War ended with Tallahassee, the only Confederate state capital east of the Mississippi to escape capture during the war. The governor, John Milton, committed suicide and Florida fell under federal control. Slavery ended. Emancipation Day is celebrated on May 12th. So that is 1865. Okay, then the Brown Theological Institute, which is now Edward Waters College, was founded in 1866 to educate newly freed slaves. Uh, okay, and then in 1868, they passed a new federally mandated state constitution. It says there was an attempt to impeach Reconstruction Governor Harrison Reed. There was a second attempt to uh, impeach him in 1872, but the Board of Commissioners of State Institutions um, created 
or the, the Board of Commissioners of State Institutions was created in 1868 also, and then they had a second state seal adopted in that year as well. Okay, now, 1876, there was a very controversial, controversial election for president between Samuel Tilden and Rutherford B. Hayes. In this election, Florida pr played a very crucial role because it was one of three states with disputed elector votes. There was a lot of political maneuvering, it says, which led in which led in large part to the end of federal reconstruction. Hayes was elected president in that. And then the end of reconstruction was marked in 1877. Okay. Also in 1877, the Florida State Hospital was established in Chattahoochee. And then there was a state person that was removed. Sometimes I'm not sure what the significant, like, sometimes I don't care that a prison is moved and they put on a timeline, like it's very important and like I should know about it. But maybe if you're a native Floridian, that really means something to you. But sometimes these minute details, I feel like, are put on these timelines and I just don't know the significance. So um, anyway, but that was moved in uh, 1877. Okay, um, let's see. There's, I'm trying to kind of filter through these. The St. Petersburg Times debuts as a weekly publication in 1844. There's a new state constitution also in 1884 that replaced the 1868 constitution. That was the framework and it served as the constitution until 1968. Rollins College was founded in 1885. Um, the State Board of Health was created in 1889 in response to the recent yellow fever outbreak. Okay, um, 1898, the Spanish-American War saw embarkment camps at Tampa, Miami, and Jacksonville. Thousands of soldiers and others who entered the state during the war returned afterwards as permanent residents. Okay, let's see. The Everglades drainage begins. So, the Everglades used to take up way more land, like water was covering everything. And in 1901, they started draining the Everglades so that more farmland could be created. So, that seems like a very controversial move, but um, yeah, I want to see like a before and after map. And maybe I'll post that on my Instagram because um, that would be interesting to see how much land they actually created by doing that. Okay, the start of the construction of Henry Flagler's Railroad to Key West opened up in 1912. Well, so the construction started in 1902, but then it opened, the railroad opened in 1912. Um, okay, then there was this thing called the Buckman Act in 1905. And essentially there were seven institutions of higher learning I'm not going to read them all because the names are pretty long. It's like a paragraph worth of names, but they consolidated them and segregated them by gender and race. So they had the Florida, like they, they basically did one, they made one University of Florida for men. Then they made a similar college for women. And then they made a separate college that was called the Florida Agricultural and Mechanical College. And that was for all the non-white people. So only white people could go to the 
University of Florida for Men, and the Florida State College for Women. Okay, 1906, hundreds of workers on the Florida East Coast Railway's overseas extension were lost when a hurricane swept through the Keys and battered Miami on October 18th. So, I was actually supposed to go to a graduation trip, um, like, when I graduated high school, I believe. Maybe college, I don't know. We were going to go to the Keys, and then a hurricane went, and, or a hurricane happened, I guess, and really damaged a lot of the keys. So it's interesting to see that this is happening way back, like in 1906. Of course it, it would, it's not really a surprise, but but yeah, they were working on that railway uh, and a hurricane came, I think pretty unexpectedly, especially back then, like they didn't have the technology to know as, you know, in advance like we do. So I'm sure it was, pretty sudden and that's why so many people were lost okay um a woman named Zena B. Dreyer uh became the first woman in Florida and the South as a whole to vote in a local election that was on June 19th in Felsmere, Florida um in 1915 Sydney Katz successfully campaigns for governor on the Prohibition ticket. That's in 1916. Let's see. From 1917 to 1918, Florida was the scene of training for World War I fighting men, particularly aviators, as weather permitted year-round activity. So Floridians had a major role in World War I. Florida votes to ratify the 18th Amendment to the Constitution, which prohibited the purchase and consumption of alcohol. Um, okay, so, okay, I was a little confused because I've always heard that once women got the right to vote, then the next thing that they did was um, vote for prohibition. But this is only when Florida voted to ratify the amendment. Wait, that's confusing. Using. I don't think that's true. I think that's a myth that I heard that women got the right to vote and then they voted for prohibition. Because the 19th Amendment is the women voting one. So hmm, I'm going to have to look more into that because it could be that each state gave women the right to vote and then they each ratified it and stuff. And then nation, uh, nationally, uh, alcohol got banned. But... Something seems off about what I have heard about that, so I'll have to go research. Okay, 1920 was the beginning of Florida land boom, it's called. Uh, in 1923, racial violence leads to the destruction of the town of Rosewood, which was a predominantly African-American community. Let's see. The State Library Board was created in 1925. There was another big hurricane in 1926, and then that thrust Florida into an economic depression before, like, the major Great Depression that would come a few years later for the rest of the country. Um, let's see, another hurricane strikes in 1928. It effectively ends the land boom. Um, the Mediterranean citrus fruit fly was discovered in 1929 and it said that this fruit fly resulted in a massive loss of citrus crops throughout florida so 
Um, that was again in 1929. 1933, there was an assassination attempt on President-elect Franklin Roosevelt by Joseph Zangara, and that took place in Miami, the assassination attempt did. The Cross-Florida Barge Canal started construction in 1933. The Park Service was created in 1935. Another hurricane. There are so many hurricanes in Florida. That is the big risk of living in Florida. Very good weather, but lots of hurricanes. Okay, June 1st, Amelia Earhart took off from Miami on the first overwater leg of a round-the-world flight. She and her navigator disappeared over the Pacific on July 2nd of 1937. I don't really care about each governor of Florida, so I'm just going to skip a little bit. But 1941, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, and so... Florida becomes, again, an important location for the training of American soldiers, sailors, and airmen. The Wainwright Shipyard in 1943, uh, which is in Panama City, builds over 100 Liberty ships for the U.S. war effort. And then in 1945, the war, the war ends, returning GIs fuel uh, Florida's modern boom period. Okay, Florida became very... Uh, important in 1946 because Harry S. Truman started visiting Key West for rest and relaxation. The house he stayed in becomes known as Little White House and is used by subsequent presidents as well. So Florida is like known as kind of a retreat for subsequent presidents. Florida State College for Women goes co-ed. It becomes Florida State University in 1948. Uh, the Florida Folk Festival starts in White Springs, Florida in 1953. Okay, 1954, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the Brown v. Board of Education case that school segregation was unconstitutional. Many in the state of Florida resisted the decision, prolonged desegregation well into the early 70s, which is like 16 years later. Crazy. The Tallahassee bus boycott began to desegregate that city's public transportation it says one of the first public protests in what will eventually wait sorry one of the first public protests in what became known as the civil rights movement eventually comprising numerous demonstrations and protests throughout the state to end racial segregation in places such as stores schools theaters and public beaches so we're like heavy into the civil rights movement at this point uh, University of South Florida was founded in 1956. The Johns Committee was named for Senator Charlie Johns. Um, that was in from 1956 to 1964. And then it says that they communists and homosexuality in the state and university system. So, um, the Seminole Tribe of Florida was formed as a political entity in 1957. And then the Cuban Revolution starts happening in 1959, which wasn't that significant of an event for other states that we've looked at. But because Cuba is so close to Florida, there was a wave of Cuban immigration into Florida in 1959. Um, The first American astronaut, Alan Shepard, was launched into space from Cape Canaveral Space Center, later called Cape Kennedy, in 1961. 
The Cuban Missile Crisis happened in 1962, which again is important because it's so close to Florida. There were race riots starting in 1964, so the St. Augustine race riot happened. And then the governor in 1965 announced that Walt Disney is opening a theme park in Orlando. By the way, everyone should go watch the Imagineers series that's on Disney+. Plus. We just watched it. I think it's been out for like two years, though, um, and it is amazing. And it talks about what his original vision for the Florida theme park was as opposed to kind of what it is. Both are really good, but I think it was interesting to see the original uh, vision. Okay, 1968, there was a complete revision of the state constitution, which consolidated the numerous boards and commissions into more streamlined departments and divisions. Um, and then Florida Technological University opens in Orlando, Orlando also in 1968. In 1969, Apollo 11 with astronauts Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins lifted off at Cape Kennedy on the journey to the moon. Four days later, they land on the moon. Um, let's see. Walt Disney World opens in 1971. The, <laughs> the old capital saved, was saved from destruction in 1978, and it opens as a museum in 1982 when they have a new uh, capital. Let's see, the, space, the first space shuttle launches began at the Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral in 1981. Epcot opens in 1982. The space shuttle Challenger exploded over Cape Canaveral shortly after takeoff in 1986, which halted the NASA shuttle, progr NASA shuttle program for several years. Um, let's see. There's a lot of things about how the different governors were elected, and I don't really care too much. But in 2000, the presidential election crisis happened. Focus settles upon Florida's courts and voting ballots. And that is pretty much it. There's just more governors that they talk about, so not going to go into that. Let's talk really quick about famous people from Florida. So um, I'm just going to rattle them off, the ones that I recognize. First one, Ariana Grande, Jim Morrison, Tom Petty, Bob Ross, De Deion Sanders, Bella Thorne, Eva Mendez, and Sarah Paulson, all from the state of Florida. So very interesting there. Um, okay, state symbols. This is like one of my favorite parts of all the <laughs> state things and I've realized that it's really important to look at like PDFs if you google just the state symbols sometimes they don't give you any background information for about why that thing got chosen when why the people of that state care you know um you always want to look for PDFs because someone has taken the time to make like a full presentation about when it was adopted what this means to the state and it's always much better so without further ado, here are the Florida state symbols. So first we have the animal. It was adopted in 1982, which is the Florida Panther. I'm pretty sure the Panthers, the football team, you know, is from Florida, <laughs> which would make sense. So the Florida Panther, 
Um, it's a long or large long-tailed pale brown cat. It grows up to six feet or longer. It's the most endangered of the state symbols and it says that the you know, it mostly feeds on white-tailed deer. It was protected from hunting in 1958, and it's been on the federal endangered list since 1967. So, the estimated population is only between 80 and 100, because this is like a special type of panther, I guess, which is literally called the Florida panther. So, there are only, at most, 100 of them left. Uh, the state beverage is orange juice, which is one of the more interesting state symbols we've seen, or state beverages, I should say. Most of the time, it's milk. For once, we have some variety. So, it says, during the Second World War, scientists invented a process for making concentrated orange juice. Soon, a frozen concentrate was developed that transformed orange juice production into a multi-billion dollar industry. And a lot of those oranges, of course, grow in Florida. Uh, the Mockingbird is the state bird. It was adopted in 1927. It says it's a superb songbird and mimic. It's about 10 inches long, feeds on insects, weeds, seeds, and berries. Very territorial, and it's also the state bird of Arkansas, Mississippi, Texas, and Tennessee. So all in a similar um, area here. The Butterfly is a zebra longwing, adopted in 1996. Uh, it's found throughout the state in hardwood hammocks, thickets, brushy fields, pine oak woods, and gardens. It's more common in South Florida. Um, so that is the state butterfly. The state freshwater fish is the largemouth bass, adapted in or adopted in 1975. It can weigh over 15 pounds, so pretty big fish. Uh, they grow to an unusually large size in Florida waters. So that explains why that is our state fish. The uh, state saltwater fish is the sailfish, also adopted in 1975. It's not unique to Florida, but they're pretty much found everywhere. There are warm ocean waters. But Florida sail fishing is legendary, especially in Fort Pierce, Miami, and Keys uh, during the colder months. So... These fish can uh, reach speeds of up to 60 miles per hour, and they weigh anywhere between 30 and 45 pounds. Okay, the state flower is the orange blossom. Again, because there are so many, you know, oranges that grew um, in Florida, the orange blossom is a state flower. This year's blossom can be seen on trees, while last year's crop or oranges are still being picked. These, fun fact it says, was highly they were highly prized during the Victorian era brides. Or highly prized during the Victoria era by brides. So, um, and I don't, can't remember if I said that it was adopted in 1909. The state mammal is the manatee. So this is like one of those weird ones that is a mammal that lives in the water. Um, <clears throat> so... These are can reach from 8 feet to 14 feet in length and weigh over a ton. And again, they live in Florida. Um, humans are responsible, it says, for half of their deaths, mostly by being struck by boats or propeller blades. The Okay, so that was the marine mammal that was adopted in 1975. Now the saltwater mammal is different, and that is the porpoise or dolphin. 
It says, even though even the Florida legislature left the issue open, designating the porpoise, also commonly known as the dolphin, as a saltwater animal. Usually in Florida, both names refer to the bottlenose dolphin. So there's a little bit of uh, controversy about what it was actually going to be called. Um, the state reptile is an alligator adopted in 1984, sorry, 1987. These are found throughout Florida. I feel like there's always stories about alligators in Florida. It says they move surprisingly fast over short distances. They have powerful jaws and tails. Uh, they should not be fed as this causes them to lose their fear of humans. And feeding alligators is against Florida statutes. Okay, um, let's see. The state tree is the sable palm. It's the most widely distributed palm in Florida. It's native also to Cuba, the Bahamas, and the coastal Georgia and Carolina coasts. The 1970 legislature mandated that the sable palm replace the cocoa palm in the state seal. So that's why when we went over and said that the state seal changed in the timeline, it was changing, part of it was changing that tree from the cocoa palm to the sable palm, which is very interesting. State wildflower was adopted in 1991. It's called the Coreopsis. It's a bright yellow golden flower. The centers can be either black, brown, or yellow, and petals can be solid in color or tinged with oranges and reds. Uh, this is also frequently called tick seed, um, and it's used extensively in Florida's roadside plantings. 14 species of this are found in Florida. So again, and then other like state symbols, the motto again is in God we trust. That was adopted in 1868. Um, and then the anthem is called Florida where the sawgrass meets the skies by John Hinton. So that's like the state song. And then they do have a state play, which is called the cross and sword. And that was uh, adopted in 1973. So those are the state symbols. And then let's just talk about a few things to do in Florida. I think the most obvious one, I think, is Disney World and Universal Studios. So, I mean, that's a great one. There's also just so many cool things when I was looking at this uh, website. It's called FloridaTrippers.com. There's this place called Devil's Den, which is an underground spring that looks absolutely amazing. There's one called Ginny Springs which is another like cavern with sand and limestone. That's really cool. There's also something called the Ringling Museum. And that's a big hit with uh, locals, well, and uh, visitors. Hold on, my notes are now unresponsive. Okay, I will just mention the other ones that I uh, remember that are really good. Um, so I went to Cocoa Beach, like I said, that was pretty good. It wasn't the best beach ever, but I think there are other beaches along the coast that are great. Obviously, Miami's a big hit. A few of my friends have lived in Miami, and they absolutely love it. Um, maybe you'll love it more if you're like a little bit of a partier because it's, it gets kind of wild down there, it sounds like. Um, again, we have the Space Center. So Cape Canaveral is always um, a good thing to see and, and visit, especially if you have a launch. I really, really wanna go to an actual launch one day. I've known multiple people who work on <laughs> missions that have gone down multiple times for a launch and it gets scrubbed every time. So um, <laughs> yeah, I really wanna go down and, and see a launch at some point. So those are just the highlights of 
Florida, there's actually a lot to do. There's like, you know, there's water surrounding everywhere. So if you want to see water, it's a great place to go for sure. So that is all for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. And we will be back on Monday with another podcast topic. We'll be back again on Thursday for another state topic. So I look forward to seeing you all then. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you have a great weekend. Bye everyone.